fanatics football the football segment of the fantasy fanatics podcast i'm your host once again james and i'm joined once again by nate what's up man so all right in today's episode of fanatics football we're just going to break down some more uh, signings uh, in nfl free agency i will just talk about uh, some of the major uh, signings there uh, among some of the teams uh, then we'll just hop right into our top 12 uh, tight ends in half point ppr for fantasy football for the 2021 season uh, so um, let's just hop right into it um, there's still been some big signings um, since we last recorded fanatics football yeah for sure um, let's just get into some of them right now. Uh, first, let's just talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, I don't know how they keep fitting everyone um, under the cap. Um, I don't know. Like we talked about last week, it almost seems like the salary cap is turned off <laughs> for this team. Like, I mean, they brought back Ndamukin Sue uh, this week. And uh, they just keep, uh, they even uh, restructured their kickers deal, uh, Ryan Suckup. Um, I mean, they're getting everyone uh, back, and I think pretty soon Antonio Brown and Leonard Fournette might even be coming back. So how do you think the Bucks are doing this? I don't know. Maybe they have some kind of special rule where they can roll back the salary cap somehow. <laughs> I think maybe whether it's voidable years, I heard that's a thing now. Whether it's just pushing money to the end of deals, I don't know how they're doing it. But I mean, they... Brought back Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Shaq Barrett, and Dominican Sue, Levante David, Ryan Suckup. Like they just brought back their whole championship team back. And I, I still can't understand how they did everything. I really don't know. There's something going on with the GMs. Yeah, I know they were rumored to be in the running for running back James White from the Patriots, of course, with his relationship uh, with Tom Brady. But it, it looks like New England has brought back James White. Uh, let me just check out the details of the contract. Um, yeah, they brought back James White on a one-year $2.5 million deal. Um, it's clear that Bill Belichick uh, likes James White, and it's clear that he's uh, one of the best uh, catching running backs in the league. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Um, and then they brought back uh, defensive tackle Lawrence Guy, Um on a four-year deal, he was one of the more solid pieces of their defense this year. He's been on the team for a long time. He's won Super Bowls with New England. Uh, so he's just one of those guys that was pretty much a, a, it was pretty much a formality that, that he would come back. I mean, uh, it really looks like the Patriots are improving their defense. Yeah, you definitely want, I guess, a veteran presence on the line, especially somebody who's been to the Super Bowl before. Yeah, I mean, well, they, they brought back Kyle Van Noy. He's a veteran presence there as well. Bring in Matt Judon from the Ravens. So, I mean, they're really stacking up that line. Uh, we know they, they addressed the secondary. I know we talked about that last week. They addressed the offense. Pretty much is looking like this team's addressing every major uh, weak area. So, it looks like the Patriots are going to be a strong team next year. Yeah, hopefully they'll be able to make the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. But uh, it is a tough division. And speaking of other teams in that division, let's just take a look at the Miami Dolphins uh, bringing in wide receiver Will Fuller on a one-year deal. 
uh, and that whole $10.6 million deal is fully guaranteed. Uh, and you can even add $3 million in incentives onto that deal. So he really got a good deal. Um, I know he was suspended at the end of last season for PEDs. Um, I mean, do you think Fuller's going to be uh, a good receiver for this team? I know he can stretch the field a bit. I, I don't know. What do you think about this signing? I mean, Will Fuller is a good wide receiver for sure. Um, I And it gives uh, the Dolphins another option on the field. So Tua doesn't have to feel like he has to throw to the same guy all the time. Yeah, it definitely seems like that's the case. Hopefully Tua will be willing to throw it downfield because that's really where Will Fuller is at his, his best. Yeah, for sure. And then just looking at uh, some of the other signings, it looks like the Buffalo Bills have signed quarterback Mitch Trubisky. I know we were making all the jokes about him being the MVP, you know, the Nickelodeon <laughs> valuable player. And, oh, uh, Josh Allen should be uh, shaking in his boots that another starting quarterback is coming in behind him. But in all seriousness, um, it's a one-year deal for Trubisky. Uh, he might get in a start here or there, just depending on um, – whatever happens with Josh Allen this year, whether there's an injury, whether they want to rest him, whatever. So, I mean, um, it's not like Trubisky's a bad quarterback. He might, he might not be as competent as most quarterbacks, but I guess maybe this is sort of a move for him to sort of turn his career around. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, if he does well here, like he's able to kind of um, hold the line for a Bills team that is potentially going to, be really deep in the in the playoffs so if he does well like for example um on days that josh allen is resting then he might be able to get another starting job somewhere else yeah for sure i can definitely agree with that it is only a one-year deal so you could definitely move on after that and speaking of someone that didn't move on juju smith schuster re-signed with the pittsburgh steelers uh it's a one-year deal and it's worth around $8 million. So um, clearly Juju took less money to stay with Pittsburgh, and it's clear that I guess he just wants to be a part of this offense. Yeah, um, I'm just wondering about kind of their locker situation. I heard that um, he was kind of um, part of that locker room situation, so I'm just wondering how it's going to work out. Well, I assume that hopefully they've resolved everything and it, it really seemed like uh, it was just sort of a, in a mid-season type thing. You know, he was doing his dances, you know, maybe the coach didn't like it, maybe, um, you know, whatever the issue was. And then we thought maybe, oh, he's going to part ways because of that. Of course, he decides to stay. Uh, he enjoys uh, his teammates, guys like Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and clearly Ben Roethlisberger because he wouldn't have re-signed if he didn't want Roethlisberger to be his quarterback. Yeah, I think they've been together long enough that he kind of, like, I guess there is just, like, a certain kind of, like, trust you have when you've been with the same quarterback for a long time, so that's probably why. Yeah, and definitely use that as a way to maybe get a, a longer-term deal next year. You know, he you sign for one year in an offense you know really well, so if you play well there, then you can definitely get the longer deal next year. Yeah, and I mean, Roethlisberger is still a good quarterback, so you know that he's going to throw a lot and he's going to be really accurate. So as long as you play your best, then you know that you're going to have a really good opportunity somewhere else if it ever comes down to that. 
Yeah, for sure. And speaking of one-year deals, we have running back Philip Lindsay signing a one-year deal with the Houston Texans. It's around three point two five million. And uh, I kind of question this move because I mean they already have David Johnson as their running back, and he can also catch out of the backfield. And Philip Lindsay pretty much does the same thing. So uh, unless it's just to get another body in there, but I kind of really don't understand this signing just from a perspective, an outside perspective. Yeah, I'm not really too sure what to make of this deal. Um, yeah, and it's it's almost like Philip Lindsay was in a timeshare situation with Melvin Gordon there in, in Denver, and then he just goes to a, another timeshare situation. So I assume that maybe he wanted to start somewhere. I'm not really sure why he signed with Houston. Maybe they offered him more money than other teams. I'm not really sure about that. But yeah, this signing definitely confused me a little bit. Yeah, I'm not sure how it's going to work with Mark Ingram. I have a feeling that Mark Ingram might have signed with the Houston Texans for probably the same reason. He thought, you know, maybe. Yeah, that, that is weird because, <laughs> yeah, they have David Johnson. They got Mark Ingram and now they got Philip Lindsay. I'm re- like, they made a lot of signings. Like, they just, they're just going to fill up their team, I guess, with a bunch of bodies. Like, what, they signed like four cornerbacks. They signed like two tight ends they signed like four wide receivers two running backs they they brought in two quarter like they i know they signed tyrod taylor last week and then they just traded the Bengals for ryan finley like and then of course you still got deshaun watson there so i mean i really don't understand what's going on here in houston they might end up just cutting a bunch of players at training camp it's gonna be really inconvenient for the players because when you sign with with a team there's like kind of an expectation that you'll be there at least for a year and then now it's like it's like that the mcdonald's situation where they hire too many people and then a bunch of people can't get hours yeah and it's like it's almost like they're just handing out money there like here you get a contract you get a contract you get a contract you know what i'm saying like it's almost like like here's the difference between them and the patriots both teams have lots of money to spend the Patriots addressed areas that they need uh, to address, but with the Texans, it's almost like they just threw money at every single position, and they just like they just signed guys to just one year, two year deals. Um, and you kind of question like they already have depth at these positions. Why are they just signing a whole bunch of bodies? It's almost like they're just throwing money into a trash can, pretty much, because they're going to end up cutting these guys. Like I, I don't understand what Houston's doing here. I mean, there is the I can solve problems with money, but you still have to make smart decisions with where oh, yeah. you put your money. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. And speaking of a smart decision, uh, T.Y. Hilton's coming back to the Indianapolis Colts on a one-year $10 million contract, $8 million of that guaranteed. And I think that this is the best spot for T.Y. I know he started off the year rough, but he was a really solid player down the stretch for the Colts last year. Yeah, it's a good idea to sign him back for sure. Yeah, and uh, speaking of guys that signed back, I know Denver's really propped up their defense. Uh, they re-signed uh, Justin Simmons uh, on a franchise tag. I think uh, we might have talked about that last week, but then they bring in uh, guys like Shelby Harris, Ronald Darby, Kyle Fuller, Kareem Jackson. Like They really beefed up their defense. Um, I guess the only question for Denver now is, is Drew Locke their quarterback going forward? I guess that's going to be the question going forward, but at least they have 
um their their defense uh down pat pretty solid so i guess we could see another year where the uh denver broncos have a really high ranked defense again yeah they usually do have a high ranked defense their offense has always been the issue i know for running back they have melvin gordon then they got some good wide receivers there you know jerry judy uh, kj hamler all those guys then you got noah fant at tight end and then the real question just really comes down to is drew lock the guy and if they go into the season with him as the starting quarterback and they get off to a rough start i think we might see a move there uh, for a quarterback for this team do you think that the Texans are going to do a last minute trade with Denver? I have no idea. I actually think Denver might move up in the draft this year to take a quarterback. That's definitely something that I've been uh, looking at uh, whether they have the draft capital to, to do it or not. That's the question. But if Denver can get a quarterback in there, this is a playoff team for sure. I definitely like the additions they've made. Yeah, they're pretty uh, solid for sure. And uh, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, looking at the Philadelphia Eagles, they uh, brought in Joe Flacco on a one-year deal. Um, it has a max value of $7.5 million with an incentives. And I guess um, they're trying to bring Jalen Hurts along as the starter. I guess he's just a veteran guy to bring in there with him. Yeah, well, that's kind of what it looks like. Um I feel like Jalen Hurts should probably get the starts most days. I think that he's kind of proved that he deserves it, but I guess there might be a chance that maybe you just want that veteran presence around kind of as a mentor for Jalen Hurts. So we'll see. Yeah, for sure. And another signing I kind of didn't really get uh, the Vegas Raiders brought in uh, Kenyon Drake on a two year, $11 million deal. And they already have Josh Jacobs as their main running back. And and again, in this situation, these two running backs are very similar. Um, I've just really questioned this move. They also brought in Theo Riddick. Um, I believe Jalen Richard is still there. They're really just filling this running back room up. And they don't really have an idea, you know, who's their number one guy. It's almost like they don't have enough trust in Josh Jacobs to be the guy. Um, I'm kind of just confused here with, with this signing of Kenyon Drake. I mean, maybe they don't think that Josh Jacobs is going to stay long-term. So maybe they just want to get as many guys as they can. I think that might actually be a possibility. His contract should be expiring soon. He might be looking for a long-term deal and maybe he might not want to stay with the Raiders. So that's definitely a possibility. Um, yeah, I don't know. Some of the moves these teams have made have just kind of confused me. Definitely the Houston's, some of their moves are, are part of it. And then definitely the Raiders as well. Yeah. It looks like some of these teams, they're not, I guess, instead of going for, I guess, kind of what makes the most sense, I guess, on paper, trying to round out their team. It's like, they're trying to prepare for some kind of like worst case situation where they run out of offense, but I don't know. It just doesn't really seem like a good idea as of right now. Yeah, I can definitely say the same thing. And um, I don't know, speaking of an idea that was, I mean, it was okay. I mean, the, the chargers brought in tight end Jared cook. I mean, he's definitely a body to fit in there at tight end. I know they definitely should have tried to keep Hunter Henry. That's just my opinion, but um, I don't know. What do you think about this signing? Um, I think they should have kept Hunter Henry as well, but 
I mean, with Hunter Henry gone, I think he's going to be a pretty solid replacement for them. Yeah, I just don't know whether he can keep up that same production that Henry had. Henry was always one of the top targets on that team. It really looks like Justin Herbert has locked on to Keenan Allen as his number one target. So we'll definitely have to see, um, I guess, where Jared Cook is going to look on this offense going forward. But uh, yeah, I know with the Saints, he was definitely more of just a touchdown dependent kind of guy. I don't really see him as having week to week fantasy value. Yeah, I guess he's probably going to be a tight end that's kind of on the waiver every week. And if you see like a good matchup for the Chargers, then you'll probably want to pick him up on those weeks. Yeah, most definitely. And um, speaking of a guy that should have week-to-week value, uh, we got Kenny Galladay signing a four-year, $72 million deal with $40 million guaranteed with the New York Giants. So a big signing there for the Giants. Um, as you know, in their wide receiver room, they've got Darius Slayton, they've got Sterling Shepard, they signed John Ross uh, to a deal, and then now they bring in Kenny Galladay, who should be the number one receiver on this team. Uh, what do you think about the signing? Um, it gives them plenty of depth in the, I guess, the wide receiver position. So um, it gives a lot of help for uh, Daniel Jones. So he'll probably not have as much pressure especially considering Saquon Barkley's coming back. Yeah, for sure. Um, And if we didn't mention it, uh, Kyle Rudolph, tight end, signed with the New York Giants. Um, Also, cornerback Adoree Jackson uh, agreed to a three-year, $39 million contract uh, with the Giants. I feel like they kind of overpaid there, but I mean, uh, they kind of do want to pair him with James Bradbury there at corner just so they can have two solid guys back there. Uh, I'm not going to knock them for that. The Giants are definitely addressing issues they have with their team. So I think this should be a solid squad going forward. Yeah, I think they could have a winning record this year. So that's good. Yeah, uh, hopefully um, them and Dallas should look to turn around their records from last year. I don't know about the Eagles, but definitely the Giants and the Cowboys should be competing with Washington for the division title this year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one more signing that we can definitely take a look at is Chris Carson coming back to sign with the Seattle Seahawks. He got a two-year, $14 million deal. Uh, I think that the Seahawks really appreciate what he brings to their team. He's a solid runner. Um, I know he had some fumbling issues early in his career, but it looks like he has resolved that. Um, what do you think about them bringing back Chris Carson? Um. I think it's a pretty good idea. I mean, you know what you have with him. He's been slowly improving every year. Just like you said, he doesn't fumble the ball as much anymore. So I think it's a good idea. And I think uh, I might have him around like an RB2 range. So maybe between the, the, the 15 to 18 area in my running back. So he is a pretty solid option. Like if you draft a running back early, in the draft, he might be the second back that you might take. So if you pair him with like a like a Derrick Henry, or you pair him with like an Alvin Kamara, maybe even later than that, like maybe you pair him with like a, a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, or or you pair him with maybe a guy like um, I, I don't know um, Austin Eckler, someone like that. I, I feel like he's definitely a good second option for fantasy. Yeah, he's probably gonna have like a a few weeks where. He ends up giving you a lot of value. So 
if I feel like he's one of those um, players that like maybe you, I guess you uh, reached for someone else. He, you'd probably be a player that you want to get the next round. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking as well. He's definitely one of those makeup picks, if you will, where it's like um, if you really decided to go wide receiver, wide receiver in first two rounds, or you went tight end, wide receiver, something like that, he'd definitely be a guy, okay, I can still get a decent running back in the third round and then maybe grab another one in the fourth round and you can kind of pair him maybe with a guy like Josh Jacobs, maybe – Josh Jacobs is available in the fourth round. Maybe a Melvin Gordon might be available in the fourth round. You could pair those two. Um, just something along those lines. Um, Chris Carson is definitely a good running back for fantasy. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, that's about it for signings. Uh, if we did miss anyone, we apologize for that. But this is kind of just uh, a general over uh, look of all of the signings uh, that happened in this past week. Uh, so let's just move on to our top 12 tight end rankings for half p- point PPR uh, for the 2021 season. Um, it's just an early outlook. We're going to make that clear. Um, our opinions will definitely change after the draft and across the rest of the off season leading up to training camp. Uh, so we'll definitely try and put out some more of these lists later uh, in the off season, but like uh, Nate, let's just get right into it. Um, give me your top three tight ends um, and just explain why you have them in that order. So for top three, I have uh, Travis Kelsey as first, Darren Waller at second and George Kittle as third. Um, Travis Kelsey, I put him as uh, first uh, just because of his production. He's second in the league in reception yards. He's had, he has 11 reception touchdowns, which is, the most out of any tight end there's only one other tight end who's tied with him uh, on i guess just the past season which is really good um he's has 260.26 total fantasy points 17.4 fantasy points per game he had one two point uh conversion he had one fumble but there's a lot of tight ends on the list who do have fumbles so it's not really a big deal um, he is one of Patrick Mahomes' main targets, so you can be pretty sure he's going to be getting targets, and that's something that most tight ends can't say. And uh, for Darren Waller, I put him at second because he has 14.1 fantasy points per game, um, and he does have 225.1 uh, total fantasy points. He has a 73% rec rate. Uh, Travis Kelsey has a 71% uh, ca- uh, catch rate, just for reference. So uh, pretty solid. And he also has, uh, Darren Waller also has a 1,196 rec yards with nine reception touchdowns. So again, that's also very solid. And uh, he has one two-point conversion and he also has one fumble. And I port... Um, George Kill at third. Um, I think that he's above pretty much every other tight end except for those two uh, in terms of fantasy points per game. He was on pace for a 12.6 before um, he had that season-ending injury. And uh, I think in the uh, last season before that, 
He did have 12.9 fantasy points per game. He had a 79% catch rate. He had uh, 1,053 rec yards. I think he had five reception touchdowns. He also had 22 rush yards, which I thought was interesting, but um, I'm not really thinking too much about it other than it was an interesting fact about him. So that's pretty much my top three. All right, sounds good. Um, let me just get into my top three. Uh, I have Travis Kelsey at one, George Kittle at two, and Darren Waller at three. Um, I actually think, I know this might be a hot take, but I actually think George Kittle is a better tight end than Travis Kelsey. Um, and I would have ranked him first, but the only reason I have Travis Kelsey first is because he does get better quarterback play. And that plays a big part into fantasy production. He gets some of the best quarterback play having Patrick Mahomes. Um, like you mentioned, he was first in pretty much every category last year. Um, there's no reason why he shouldn't be the number one tight end off the board. Um, if But uh, if you flip the two situations, like you put Kelsey in San Francisco and you put Kittle in Kansas City, I feel like Kittle would definitely be the better overall player. Um, but that that's the current situations that they're in. So just looking at it, Travis Kelsey, definitely number one, George Kittle at number two, just because he's pretty much unguardable. Um, if, if three guys are bring, trying to bring him down, sometimes they can't even bring him down. He's just too strong. Um, sometimes he'll have more than 10 catches per game. I know we can definitely say that about Kelsey. Um, I, I know that uh, Kelsey definitely has better production just because he's definitely being targeted more. Um, and also just being in that offense um, with Patrick Mahomes, more red zone targets, obviously, more looks up the middle, um, just pretty much everything else is more guaranteed for Kelsey. And also his injury history isn't as extensive as George Kittle because uh, Kittle plays that more physical game, I feel like, than uh, Travis Kelsey. So he's more prone to getting injured. Um, sometimes he just might miss a game for even a small issue and Kelsey doesn't seem to have that issue. So I, I definitely like Travis Kelsey at number one and then George Kittle at number two. And then number three is obviously Darren Waller. He was the second highest tight end scorer this past season. Um, he's just been solid overall. Um, he's the focal point of that Raiders offense. So um, I know that all three of these guys are the focal points of their offense. I can definitely say that. So um, they're easily the top three. Um, I know that the guy I'm going to mention at number four, he's also one of the main focal points of his offense, but he definitely doesn't stack up with these three in terms of production. Um, Darren Waller is another one of those big guys like uh, George Kittle. He's very tough to bring down. He's so big. He's so physical. Um, there's everything about him. You know, his yards after catch are great. Um, he's always getting red zone looks. Um, and yeah, he... He pretty much does everything on the field. So um, definitely uh, those are my top three tight ends. Yeah, that sounds good for sure. And I guess just something I forgot to mention about Kittle, I think he has a 79% catch rate. So that definitely goes to your point that if Kittle was on the Chiefs, his production would probably be a lot higher than Kelsey's. I mean, he's doing that with Jimmy Garoppolo, CJ Beathard, and like Nick Mullins. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, imagine he had Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. I, I feel like the Kittle is like the model of if you were to build a tight end from the bottom up, um, it, he would he would look like George Kittle. He can pretty much do everything on the field. Pretty much, and especially for his, uh, he's like if he played 
I think in the for the entire season, for example, if I used his stats before last season, he would have had 1053 rec yards. So that's like third that's third out of all the tight ends just from how little targets he has compared to Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey. So he's pretty much making the most out of every target he gets. He's pretty much the closest thing to prime Gronk that we have in the league today. I feel yeah. like he's the, the, if I was to look at someone it's like, who's the closest to prime Gronk, it's definitely George Kittle. Yeah, for sure. And I guess speaking of catch rate, there's only one tight end who could, who has a catch rate that kind of compares to George Kittle. And I was actually kind of surprised when I saw this. Um, I, that's kind of why I put Robert Tanyan as fourth. Um, he gets very little targets compared to most of the tight ends on the list, but uh, I guess when I say like George Kittle makes the most out of, out of his targets, Robert Tanyan also does the same thing. I think he only had 59 targets this season and he got 52 receptions. So that's like 88% catch rate for the season. Solid. That's absolutely amazing. I'm not even sure if there's any wide receivers who have a catch rate like this. So again, very um, solid numbers. And He's gotten 150 total fantasy points with 10 fantasy points per game. Um, again, uh, he had 586 reception yards, 11 reception touchdowns. So he's the only other tight end out of the top 12 on my list who tied with Kelsey in terms of reception touchdowns. And I feel like Robert Tanyan is like... Um, he's kind of like a reflection of the state of tight ends in the NFL. Like he's extremely reliable, probably one of the most reliable catchers on your team, but he doesn't get enough targets. So he has to make the most of what he gets. Um, I think the only thing holding him back is lack of targets. So if he does get more targets, like he gets like 65 targets and he, has like a similar catch rate like if he has the same catch rate as like George Kittle with like 65 targets he'd probably have another crazy um season again so I think I'd put him at fourth he's not as talented as like the other three but he just makes so much out of like so little so I decided to put him at fourth and I put Mark Andrews at fifth um he has 141.1 total fantasy points, and he also has uh, 10 fantasy points per game, I think 10.1. And he got uh, a 65% for his reception rate for the season. Um, he has 701 rec yards and seven reception touchdowns. He did finish fifth in the season that just passed, um, and he did play less games then tight ends with kind of like a similar amount. There's like a few tight ends that kind of had 140-ish uh, fantasy points, but Mark Andrews had played for less weeks than them. So I decided to put him above um, most of the others. And I put Hawkinson at sixth. Um, he also had 141.8 uh, total fantasy points. But his fantasy point per game is lower than Mark Andrews because he did play for more games. So it's 8.9 fantasy points per game. So there's a pretty big difference, especially considering the 
lack of targets that tight ends get. He did have 101 targets, which is a lot, but he only had 67 receptions for the season. So it's about 66% reception rate, which is pretty decent, but uh, I think it needs to go up a little bit. He has 723 reception yards with six reception touchdowns. He did get a two-point conversion. He did get a fumble as well. And uh, Matthew Stafford is leaving, so um, that's something to keep in mind as well. He could go lower depending on who they get as quarterback. So but that's something to, I guess, kind of think about for TJ Hawkinson. So, yeah, that's my four to six. All right, that sounds good. Um, let me get to mine. Um, I have Mark Andrews at number four, and the reason I have him at four uh, is because I, I feel like that he's definitely one of the main focal points of the Baltimore offense. And, um, yeah, like you mentioned, he played less games last year. He also got off to a rough start. The whole Baltimore offense did. As uh, I think that they could have played a little bit better at the beginning, but then they definitely got into rhythm near the end of the season. And you'll see that Mark Andrews had a, a, a lot of better totals there at the end of the season. Um, I definitely think that he is just below that top three tier, but he's not far away because um, if you look at his stats from two years before, he was a top three tight end. So I, I feel like, you know, just having him just close to that, um, knowing that his potential is a top three tight end, um, it, it definitely makes him worth um, just his, his spot. And um, at number five, I have TJ Hawkinson. And the reason I have him so high at number five is because um, I think Jared Goff is going to be the Lions quarterback. Um, I don't, I don't like it. They might draft a quarterback, but if they don't, it looks like Jared Goff is going to be the guy. And there's pretty much no one else that's really reliable on that team to catch the ball. Galladay's gone. Marvin Jones is gone. I know they signed a couple guys, but they're not high-end receivers. I believe Brashad Perryman was one of the guys that they signed and he's never been known as a high-end receiver. So definitely Hawkinson is good for over 100 targets. I think definitely uh, the guys I have in the top five, so Kelsey, Kittle, um, Andrew or Waller, Andrews, Hawkinson, those are the five guys that are guaranteed to have 100 targets. I don't think anyone else that in on my list are guaranteed to have more than 100 targets. They might get there, but it's not guaranteed. So the reason I have these guys in the top five is because they're all pretty much surefire hundred target uh, getters. Um, so you can't really go wrong. I feel like with any of these five and Hawkinson's pretty much the best option they have in that Lions offense. Also their head coach, Dan Campbell was a tight ends coach before he became a head coach. So definitely there's going to be focus on the tight end. So that definitely opens up room for Hawkinson definitely to succeed there. And then at number six, I have uh, Robert Tanyan. Um, and the reason I have him at number six and not higher than that, like you mentioned, is because of the targets. Um, his catch rate is great. Like you mentioned, he had a boatload of touchdowns. I believe he was like either second or third in touchdowns for tight ends this past season. But um, I, can, I can't have him in the top five unless he's getting a guaranteed 100 targets at least. Uh, so he's the next best um, out of the, the crop that's not guaranteed that. It's definitely having that kind of catch rate. It's amazing. It might drop off next year. The touchdowns might drop off. But um, the way he was producing, I feel like that he can produce at a similar rate. So uh, I definitely have him at number six. Yeah, I think um, Tanyan, he got second to Kelsey 
I think Kels they have the same the same number, so I guess of what touchdowns? Kind of tied. Yeah, they both okay. had eleven, I think. So I knew yeah. that he was in the top three, definitely. Yeah. In, in touchdowns, yeah. Yeah, I think those two are the only people who broke ten touchdowns. I think. Yeah, he had a solid year. He's definitely uh, one of the reasons that Aaron Rodgers won MVP uh, for throwing so many touchdowns. Um, but yeah, let me just let you get to your next three. Yeah, for sure. Um, for seventh, I put um, Mike Gesicki um, for Miami. Um, he has 132.8 total fantasy points, uh, 8.9 fantasy points per game. He got 53 receptions out of 85 targets, so 62% rec rate, which I think is pretty decent for, I guess, uh, where he is on the list. And he has 703 rec yards and six reception touchdowns. He did finish seventh last year. Um, I guess something to think about is um, how many targets he's going to get with Tua. So hopefully uh, Tua kind of feels more confident that he can kind of um, share the ball with everyone. If he does feel like that, then I think that that's seven's going to be a solid choice for Mike Gesicki. And I put uh, Gronk as eighth. Um, he did finish um, eighth on a stacked Tampa, Tampa Bay team. Um, I guess out of all ta- the tight ends, he has... 126.8 total fantasy points, and he had 7.9 fantasy points per game. Um, he's been with Tom Brady for a long time, so there's a lot of trust between these two. Uh, again, the only thing holding him back is that he's on Tampa Bay. It's like they're just too good, and there's too many um, good wide receivers. I'd say like the wide receivers there are the best in the league, so that's going to kind of hold back his production, so I don't really expect him to be higher than eighth. And I put uh, Logan Thomas uh, for Washington at ninth. He had 140.6 total fantasy points and I guess 8.78 fantasy points per game. Weirdly enough, he had 28 passing yards, which I thought was funny. So I guess if they do a wildcat play with Logan Thomas, maybe he'll randomly get a bunch of yards and that'll increase his fantasy points per game or something. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Imagine Logan Thomas gets gets one touchdown out of a wildcat. <laughs> Six extra yeah. points right there. And then he got he has uh 670 rec yards with uh 6 reception touchdowns. He did finish sixth in 2020, so he could place higher. But uh, because um, Fitzpatrick is uh, going to Washington, I'm not sure about how he's going to target Logan Thomas. He was in uh, Miami, so he did uh, target Yasiki a pretty decent amount. So uh, I guess we'll just have to see. So that's my seven to nine. All right, that sounds good. And um, let me just take a look at uh, who I have at seven. Um, at number seven, I have Noah Fant. Uh, the only reason I have him at number seven is because uh, he was Drew Locke's favorite target. So if Drew Locke is the starting quarterback of this Broncos team, I definitely think that Noah Fant has 
an opportunity to put up a lot of fantasy points. Will he get to 100 targets? I don't know about that. We'll definitely have to see. Um, but um, I like Noah Fant. Um, he was clearly the only guy that was producing on that team half the time. Um, I know Jerry Judy should continue to, to develop as a player. KJ Hamler the same way. Um, if Tim Patrick is still there, definitely him. But uh, I still think Noah Fant is their number one target. So um, if Drew Locke continues to be the quarterback and he plays well there, then it'll be because Noah Fant is playing well. So uh, that's why I like him at number seven. Number eight, I have Dallas Goddard. And uh, we know in Philadelphia that a lot of the offense runs through the tight ends. Um, I know that he'll definitely have a connection with Jalen Hurts. Um, and it looks like Zach Ertz is a free agent. He's most likely not going to return. So that definitely opens up a lot um, of more uh, receptions for uh, Dallas Goddard. Um, and in an offense uh, that like Phillies where Jalen Hurts is going to be running around looking for open targets, Goddard's the big man down the field. Uh, he's definitely going to be, um, you know, one of the wide open bodies there for Jalen Hurts. So uh, I really like um, him as sort of like a top five or sorry, a, a top 10 tight end. I think he'll definitely get the targets. Uh, might not be 100, but he'll definitely get a lot. And he'll definitely be getting looks in the red zone. So definitely someone to keep an eye on. Um, number nine, I have Logan Thomas. And the reason I have him at number nine is because uh, we saw how good Mike Kosicki was um, with uh Ryan Fitzpatrick as his quarterback. I know his play did dip a little bit when Tua was the quarterback. Uh, so I know Ryan Fitzpatrick will target tight ends. Um, and also, you know, the head coach being Ron Rivera and he used to be Carolina's coach. Um, Greg Wilson was always the number one guy um, in that offense. And then we saw what happened with Logan Thomas last year being sort of the number one guy there. I know they have Terry McLaurin. I know they have Curtis Samuel. Um, but definitely look for Logan Thomas to get a lot of targets. Will he get to 100? He might have last year. Um, he, I don't know if he'll get there this year, but if Fitzpatrick is just slinging the rock as much as he loves to, I think there's definitely a possibility, and we know how good Logan Thomas has been, um, especially last year, so I, I definitely like him at number nine. So uh, let me get it back to you for your last three. Sure. So for 10 and 11, I have the two New England guys, Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. Um, fantasy points per game is like pretty similar. There's only like a four-point difference in total fantasy points. Um, the I guess their catch rate is pretty similar. It's like only a 1% difference. Uh, Smith had 448 rec yards. Henry had 613. Uh, Smith had eight reception touchdowns. Henry had four. And they both finished in kind of similar places. Smith finished 10th and Henry's finished 13th. Uh, like you said, uh, New England does like to target their tight ends a decent amount. So we know that they're going to get targets. The only thing I'm not sure about is um, who's going to get more targets than who. So... I'm not sure if uh, they're going to give more to Henry or they're going to give more to Jonu. I mean, Jonu has been there for a longer time. So maybe there's like kind of like a senior seniority there. Uh, they want to give the guy who's been there longer some, I guess, some more targets. So if I that's the case, only, I think it's only been like one or two days apart. So 
I mean, he might have it might he might have seniority by one day. But but that does make a difference though, because uh, if you think about it, Jonu Smith was more of the priority for them to sign if he got signed first, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I yeah. think I think there is some truth to that. I, I think like if he's definitely the first guy they wanted to sign, then I think he might be uh, the guy getting more targets. Yeah. So I guess a bit of an exaggeration with seniority, but. I feel like they they're probably gonna give it to Joe New Joe New Smith, I guess, in terms of target share. So if they get if that happens, then Joe New Smith's probably gonna be higher than Hunter Henry. Not that Hunter Henry's like a bad tight end, but I mean there's only there's only so many targets to go around when you're a tight end. You're pretty much fighting for scraps. So it's pretty much uh a difference between like a couple of spots just because you d- weren't getting enough targets. And I put uh, Noah Fant at 12th. I think he's a solid player, but Denver hasn't had the best record lately. I wasn't sure about how many targets he would get either, but as you said, he should probably get a decent amount, but I'm just not sure about uh, Denver's performance. So I decided to put him at 12th. So yeah, that's my 10 to 12. All right. Uh, just looking at my 10 to 12, I have Mike Kosicki at 10. Uh, the reason I have him there is because um, he's always a solid red zone threat. I know that um, Tua didn't really um, increase his production that much last year, but I think Tua Tagovailoa will be a better quarterback this year. I think he'll be more of a competent option there. In Miami, um, I I think I mentioned last week for the quarterbacks that he's definitely a guy that you could take as your backup for more of a high-end backup quarterback that might, you know, pop off or sort of have a breakout year next year. So definitely that's something to look out for. Um, Mike Kosicki's production's been there, though, um, even um, uh, whether it's with Fitzpatrick or uh, Tua. Um, he's definitely been a big presence down the middle of the field. Um Although they have Will Fuller coming in and they also have Devontae Parker and Preston Williams still there, um, he still should see targets. Um, might not be as much as last year, but uh, he'll definitely come close to 100 targets. Um, and definitely there'll be looks for him in the red zone as there have been um, last year and the year before. So I definitely like Mike Kosicki at number 10. On number 11 and 12, I have the two guys from New England. I have John o. Smith at number 11, and I have Hunter Henry at number 12. Um, it might be because of the seniority type thing you talked about, um, priority signing. Uh, New England p- placed uh, John o. Smith as their priority to sign before Hunter Henry. And I think that John o. Smith is more the, the guy that they can move all around the field. I know he had rushing touchdowns last year. Um, he was a great blocker for a solid running back in Derrick Henry. Um, he also got a lot of touchdowns. Um, he, he was just really solid. Uh, New England can pretty much run him from everywhere. So if he's getting rushing yards, if he's getting touchdowns, I feel like he has more upside than Hunter Henry. That's, that's literally the only reason I have him above Hunter Henry. Um, also Hunter Henry, I mean, he is a good blocker. Um, he can catch up the middle of the field and he is good in the red zone. So it's not like Hunter Henry's a bad tight end. I just feel like Johnny Smith has that little bit of a boost, um, they both should be the top two target getters in New England. Um, together, they could get over 150 targets combined. Um, if one of them goes over 100, then the less 
the other one will be less prominent. But um, if they both see around 75 targets, I think that is sort of, that that should get them both into top 12 uh, finishes. But we'll we'll definitely have to see with them. Um, but yeah, that that's sort of my top 12. And I was gonna ask you. Um, I know I didn't have Gronk on my list and you didn't have Dallas Goddard on your list. Um, I don't know. Where do you see a guy like Dallas Goddard? And then also some of the other tight ends that you didn't have. I don't know. Where do you kind of see them? And who do you think are some guys that are sort of like sleepers that could maybe break into the top 12? I think Dallas Goddard, he is a potentially uh, top 12 tight end. You could probably take out like somebody on the list who's like lower maybe you could take out hunter henry if you think that Jonu smith is gonna get over 100 targets hunter henry might only get like 50 to 60 you could take out um maybe no offense because i am a little bit low on him so maybe you could replace dallas goddard uh there he might end up going higher and then you can bump everyone else down um I just wasn't sure about his uh, production next season. So I decided not to include him in a top 12th. So he would be, I guess, 13th, probably at the lowest. And then I guess two people that maybe you want to work a lookout for um, Hayden Hurst. He did finish in the top 12th um, this season, but um, Julio Jones is going to be, I think he's going to be fully healthy for the next season. And uh, Julio, uh, he has a lot of uh, gravity, so the ball is going to be going to him a lot. So there's a chance that Hayden Hurst isn't going to get as many uh, targets because of that. But it could give um, Matt Ryan, I guess, more confidence, and then more confidence might uh, get more consistency, and that, I guess, might... Uh, get Hayden Hurst better looks so he might not have as many targets but he'll have better quality targets so maybe his catch rate will go up a little, a little bit that might make uh, make up for it he might get more yards more uh, reception touchdowns so that's something to kind of uh, look out for and I guess Evan Ingram he I he was um, projected to be top 12 on other lists that I saw but I just wasn't sure um, if he would actually be in the top 12, especially considering, uh, I guess, New York did sign a lot of wide receivers. So, uh, again, the targets usually go to wide receivers first and then running backs and then tight ends. Um, so, I guess he does have, I guess, the potential to be top 12, but I don't feel like he will be top 12. Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. Um, in terms of Rob Gronkowski, as you know, he's one of my favorite tight ends. Uh, I got a Bucks Gronk jersey on for those watching on YouTube. Um, but yeah, um, with a guy like OJ Howard coming back from injury, um, they still have Cameron Bray. Um, as we know, um, I just don't see a path for Gronk to be a top 12 tight end. I mean, it is possible, obviously. Um I, I feel like the reason he was in the top 12 last year was because of OJ Howard um, just being injured for the season. And then Cameron Brate's sort of that like third man. But uh, yeah, I, I'm sort of a bit lower on Gronk. I think a few guys I could definitely see possibly getting into the top 12. Uh, Tyler Higby from the Rams. 
Um, if Matthew Stafford likes to target his tight ends the way he targeted Hawkinson in Detroit, then he might be looking to target target Higby quite a bit. Um, and if and with Gerald Everett gone to Seattle of this offseason, um, Higby is going to be the main guy there at tight end. I could definitely see a path for him getting into the top 12. Also, a guy like Zach Ertz, if he signs somewhere, like if he signs in Indianapolis, like we've seen the rumors, um, and he's realigned with both Frank Reich and Carson Wentz, I think that's definitely a path to a top 12 finish. Zach Ertz is very talented, and he has a lot of chemistry with a guy like Carson Wentz, so I could definitely see that. Uh, just some other names here. I know some people like Jerry Cook in the top 12. I really don't see him there. Hayden Hurst, there is a path for it. I know um, Arthur Smith coming from that Tennessee system, um, the way he used Jonu Smith, the way he used um, Delaney Walker and other tight ends there, uh, really solid. So I definitely think Hurst can get up there. Um, I don't, you talked about Evan Ingram. I mean, they brought in Kyle Rudolph uh, to also play tight end there. So I think that really hurts Evan Ingram. It's going to be really tough for him to finish in the top 12. Um, I know Kyle Pitts this year in the draft is the top tight end. They project him to go in the top 10 in the draft, which means he's most likely going to go to a team that's in need of a tight end. So he might go to a team like the Bengals. I know the Bengals have been one of the teams that's rumored into getting him. Um, there's a few other teams in there. I don't think the Eagles will go out and get him because they have a guy like Dallas Goddard. Um, just some teams in that area, maybe Dallas goes up and gets him. Um, that's definitely a possibility, but um, he's, I guess, just someone to keep an eye on. Maybe you can take a flyer on him later in the draft, depending on where he lands. And um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts about these tight ends? Um, I was gonna, I guess, talk a little bit uh about Austin Hooper I was wondering about his potential but again when I was looking at it it's he's uh, he has to compete with uh, too many players just for targets so I mean he's a talented tight end for sure but I I'm not really seeing him uh, top 12 uh, in fantasy yeah I know that last year with the injury to David Njoku it definitely opened up a lot of more targets for him but then we saw the emergence of Harrison Bryant as well. So now you got three guys in there. You got Hooper, Bryant, and Njoku. So it's going to be really tough for him to get reps there at tight end. Like, he'll get reps, but in terms of consistent targets, I don't know if he'll get there. Yeah, probably probably not. And I was also wondering about, like, because, like, something I noticed is that, like, you know, tight ends, they do a lot of things in the offense that I guess the categories in fantasy don't currently reflect that. I guess kind of like how in hockey defensemen, they, they do a lot of uh, hits. They do a lot of like defense kind of stuff that in previous years in hockey, it was kind of overlooked. And basically it kind of, I, th I guess it made defensemen kind of like, they're just people that um, like you, you hope you get a good one, but like, there's not really too much you can do when you get them. So I was wondering if there's like, kind of like a, a category that's kind of for tight ends, kind of like blocks or something, or like increasing the pocket time or whatever, something that would kind of give tight ends more value. Yeah, I think when it comes to fantasy football, most leagues play by points. They don't really play by categories uh, just because um, there's so many different positions compared to like basketball. You got like 
guard, forward, and center. And then for hockey, you got forward, defense, and goalie. So it's easier to separate things into categories. But with football, you got quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Then you got flex spots, you got defense, you got kicker. Like, you know, leagues have different positions. It's just really tough. I think most leagues play by points, which is why it's tough to sort of give categories for those kind of things because tight ends pretty much produce like wide receivers except the, uh, some of them do a lot more blocking than catching so um, it's just one of those things that there's not really a specific category for tight ends um, but I guess one thing um, that I could definitely add um, some people might be wondering um, where we might be able to draft tight ends where do we recommend that you draft a tight end um I know Travis Kelsey, um, just looking at sort of a big board, he has been projected to go to early first round, uh, sorry, late first round, early second round. Um, so that's definitely where he should be taken. He shouldn't be taken any earlier than that. Um, and then a little further down, it looks like George Kittle's being taken, I guess, uh, I guess late second, early third kind of area. And then... Um, just as of right now, this is sort of the ADP. Um, Darren Waller's the third guy going off the board on average. Um, I guess late third, early fourth. Um, I guess every round one tight end's coming off. And then you got, yeah, mid fourth, Mark Andrews is there. Um, TJ Hawkinson. Um, yeah, so stuff like that. Um, honestly, Anyone in the top five, like we said, solid addition. Um, they should definitely all be taken in the first five rounds of the draft. Um, if you don't get any of those top five, I suggest that maybe you wait and then maybe go after some some guys sort of in the 11, 12 range. Like if you pair like a, I don't know, maybe like a Dallas Goddard and a Noah Fant together, and then you kind of see which one turns out the best that might be better than reaching for someone earlier. Um, like, uh, I don't know, Robert Tanyan in case his targets aren't there. Um, let's just say you reached for Mike Kosicki and he's not being targeted. It might be kind of tough. So if you wait for some of these guys that are, that'll appear a little bit later in the draft, you might be a little bit better. I feel like reaching is better for like, in a, if you have a later pick in a round and reaching like for maybe, a running back. Yeah. So it's like maybe instead of getting a running back this round, I can get Kittle because there's a chance that somebody's going to take my running back first. So I'll just take a tight end. Then I know I will be good for tight ends for pretty much the entire season. Yeah, um, it's one of those things where I feel like if the tight end is available on the board, sort of at the spot where you're picking, then I suggest that you take them. I wouldn't reach for a tight end because tight ends, the production's always been up and down. There hasn't been a lot of consistency running backs, the most consistent position. So that's the only position I would recommend reaching for the other positions. I recommend that sort of, as they fall to you, that's definitely the position you should be taking. Yeah. Like outside of the top three, there's not really a tight end. That's worth reaching for. You could say outside of Kelsey and Kittle, there's no, there's nobody worth reaching for. So I think definitely only reach for running backs this year. 
I think in my personal opinion, I wouldn't reach at all for tight ends. I just let them fall to me because even if you don't get a guy like Kelsey or Kittle, I know some people like to reach for them, but if you don't get a guy like that, there's guys later in the drafts like who thought Robert Tanyan would be a top five tight end this past year? No one thought that. Uh, but you can find these gems later in the draft. You just got to look for them. You just got to look for paths to production for players. Like, um, I don't know, let's just say, like you said, uh, in your personal rankings, Noah Fant is going 12. Let's just say he was going 12. Well, he has a path to be to get 100 targets. We already talked about his path to 100 targets. So if you can get him as the 12th tight end off the board and he has a path to top five production, I prefer to wait and take him rather than reach and for someone like Waller or Kelsey. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes sense for sure. I feel like, like you said, like targets is like the most important thing to look at for, for tight, ends. Uh, tight ends. Yeah. yeah. Like if you feel like he can get oh over a hundred targets this season, then you should probably if it's a reasonable to to get him, then you should pick him up. Yeah, I can absolutely agree with that. Uh, do you have any last thoughts just, I guess, about tight ends or just about drafting in general for fantasy? Um, I think drafting in general, I think this year is going to be running back year again. So just get as many running backs as you can. Honestly, if you have too many running backs, it's not even a big deal because you can put you can put one in the flex. You can put one in the flex, and there's always teams that need running backs. There's always injuries. So you can never have too many running backs at the end of the day. Yeah, that's for sure. That's like, that's pretty much the, it's like the position. I think like every year running back is the position. Yeah, for sure. I can definitely agree with that. All right. Uh, that's going to be the end of the Fanatics football episode from the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. Um, check us out on Twitter and Instagram at FanFanPodcast. Uh, we got picks on there for NBA, NHL, uh, pretty much daily. So go check us out there. Um, check us out on, uh, like we said, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and Google Podcasts for more content. And uh, thanks again, Nate, for joining me again on this episode. And to the listeners, we'll catch you guys on the next episode.